Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 188. Get your schooling, follow your dream, work hard, and as my father said, there'll be plenty of time for sleeping when you're dead. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest, Don Garlitz. Don, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I got my fire suit on. I'm ready for anything. I love it when my guests come prepared. That's awesome. The name Big Daddy Don Garlitz is synonymous with drag racing. Don's been dubbed the king of the dragsters and is the patriarch of top fuel drag racing. His 17 world championship titles and racing milestones are so numerous, it'd take me this whole show to list them all. Don's won the prestigious NHRA U.S. Nationals a record eight times, and he's raced for over four decades. His famous Swamp Rat series of 34 hand-fabricated black race cars carried him to 144 national event wins. Today, Don is the CEO of the Garlitz Auto Museum in Ocala, Florida. The museum is a treasure trove of drag racing history and certainly a destination for every fan to experience. So, Don, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a little bit of time and share a little more about your history your career, your interest, and, of course, your passion for racing cars that go really fast. Well, Mark, to start off with, I'm not supposed to be a racer. I was supposed to be a bookkeeper. No kidding. I took accounting in school. I have the degree. I went to work at the major department store in Tampa in 1950, a whopping $39.50 a week, which was great entry-level salary at that time. I had a nice girlfriend that was making about $22 a week, and with that, we could get married, and no problem at all. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Eggs were 13 cents a dozen, and gas was 13 cents a gallon. Yeah, wow. They made it better, Mark. <laughs> they did? <laughs> yes, they did. I see. If you believe it, ask them. Okay. <laughs> anyway, my stepfather says to me one morning, I can see you're not happy in your job. Mm. And I said, what are you talking about? We had a dairy, and I had worked on that dairy with Alex, my stepfather, for eight years, from 42 to 50, night and morning, milking 50 head. Wow. The man knew me. 
<laughs> so I said, what are you talking about? Look at my nice white shirt and my tie and my clean shoes. And you got on those milk boots with cow crap all over them. I said, and I'm making thirty nine fifty a week. And he says, money ain't everything. You're not happy in your job. I can tell you love cars. That's where you should be. Oh, wow. Cars. Wise man. Oh, I said, my mother wants me to be a bookkeeper. She would hate that. He says, your mother isn't going to live your life. You are. Uh. He says, if you go through life doing what you love to do, you'll be successful no matter what it is. Awesome. And so on the way to work that morning, I picked up Mary Jo, my girlfriend, and I told her I was going to give the big company my notice. And she says, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go down on Hillsborough Avenue and get a job in that body and paint shop. And she said, you won't have to worry about taking me home this afternoon. I'll find another ride. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. In 1950, mechanics and body men weren't held in too high esteem. Sure. But I did that. I never looked back. I did find the woman that loved my profession, and I married her, and we were married for 61 years. She passed away on February the 2nd, 2014. We had a wonderful life. And as I tell my fans, I could have never done what I did as an accountant. Only as a drag racer and a mechanic, auto mechanic, could I have achieved the success that I did. Wow. What a fantastic story. I am so happy you shared that because that's what Carja yeah is all about, is people who figured out how to wrap their passion for automobiles into their vocation. And if there's a guy that ever did that, it's Don Garlitz. What a fantastic story. Thank you. As we continue on your journey, Don, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote. This is a saying that's been instrumental in forming their life and their success. It's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, I know you love to drive, buddy. So, Don, take the wheel. Well, an inf- inspirational quote, it's, it's one of these things in my head. I never, ever thought there was something that I couldn't do. Ah. In fact, my wife used to say, when they'd say, you never be able to do that, you can't do that, she say they said the magic words <laughs> and then I would do it and that all went back to when I was two years old and my father wanted me to move this load of bricks from the street to where he was going to build the fireplace with my little red wagon a dump truck load of bricks <laughs> and he went out there and did a time deal and took my wagon and put five bricks in it and checked it out and estimated that I could move those bricks in seven days if I worked from daylight till dark every day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. He put them in jail for that today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I did move those bricks in five days. Wow. My mother was screaming the whole time, the baby can't do it, the baby can't do it. And the more she said the baby can't do it, the more I wanted to do it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That set me on a course of deciding that whatever I wanted to do, I could do it if I just put my mind to it. Well, certainly a great course in life and certainly an inspiration for everybody because that is so true. Your life around cars goes way back, but if you could share with us a moment in time that instigated your passion for cars, that pivotal moment as you can remember it when you really knew you were a car guy and a racer. Well, (laughs) I knew that that's really early. <laughs> we were driving our 1935 Ford. 
in those days, the roads, this is, we're talking way back there. We're talking about 19, I'd say 1939, Mm -hmm. driving down a country road. It is paved. My father's at the wheel. We, we always drove about 35 to 40 miles an hour. That was top speed. That's all you did. And you know, these, these cars had mechanical brakes on them still. Right. Of course, I didn't know that then, you know, but I know (laughs) it now. And my father says, I want to show you 60 miles an hour. And it's a two-door sedan. I'm standing over the tunnel in the back, looking over the front seat, right where the two seats bend forward, you know, where you can oh, get in yeah. the back seat. Uh-huh. And I watch that speedometer going up there, climbing up 50, 51, 2, 3 to 60. And my mother is screaming. And mm-hmm. I just wanted it to go faster and faster. It couldn't go fast enough to suit me. And I knew <laughs> right then that I had to have a fast car. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Don, what I would love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty, something you're certainly not afraid of doing. I'd love for you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced in your career. I know racing is fraught with ups and downs, wins, highs and lows and all of that. But the most important part of sharing this with our guests has to do with how you overcame it and what it taught you, what you learned from it. Well, that has to be when the car blew up at Long Beach, California in 1970, March, and it blew part of my right foot off. Ooh. And then I got started on the rear engine car. There'd been rear engine cars, lots of them. In fact, we had one ourselves, my brother and I, in 1957, total failure. You couldn't get down the drag strip with it. Hmm. I built the car, the Swamp Rat 14. 13 is one blew my foot off. And I worked on it three months. I never made a run. It was just constantly going back and forth to the strip and struggling with it. And I had to race. That's what I did. And then finally, I put the put a new car on the jig, a slingshot. I was going to build a, a car for 1971. I was It was about three weeks before time to leave on the road. We set the engine car over to the side. And, I mean, just such depression. You can't believe it. I didn't think it was going to be any trouble at all to make this thing work. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there was Jim Clark that got around Indianapolis uh, in <laughs> yeah. the traffic at 200 miles an hour. Why couldn't I go straight for 1,320 feet? Exactly. <laughs> but I hadn't done it. And yeah. the, fortunately, the drag strip where I was testing didn't have guardrails that, that had fences way back about 100 feet on each side in front of the spectators. So it gave you plenty of room to spin off and spin out, you know. Right. Today, you couldn't do it. You'd hit the concrete and you'd crash a couple of times to prob- the program be over exactly so anyway i put the car up i'd set it over to the side i had a nice new slingshot on the jig in fact we still have that car it's never made a run it's hanging in the showroom at summit in mcdonough georgia oh wow and so my wife comes out into the shop and she says what is that i said well that's my car for 1971 she said you would get back in one of those things after it's mutilated you like it has? Yeah. I said, honey, this is what I do. I said, I have no other choice. I said, the car, I have not made a run in the rear engine car, and my contracts are coming up in three weeks. Mm-hmm. She says, let me tell you something, Don. You got a good head on your shoulders. You got two good hands. You got these two guys, Connie Swingle and Tom Lemons over there. They'll do anything you say. You got all these nice machines in this shop to make anything you want. She said, if there's anybody on this planet that can put this thing together, it's you. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Now get back on that rear engine car. And we got <laughs> back on it, took it to the track again. And first thing you know, we decided that the steering was too fast. We slowed the steering down. The car set a new track record the next day, and it was off to California, and the rest is history. But that was the biggest challenge that I ever faced because there I was going to have to get back into one of these things after it blown my foot off one year before. And within a few days, I had the problem sorted out. It was just actually getting back in it and really facing the music, you know. And yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, there again, your lovely wife, your your partner, your supporter was there to, to uh, nudge you on. But wow, what a story. And before I go to this next question, where did the term Swamp Rat come from? Because you named all those cars Swamp Rat. Where did that originate? That was 1960. Seto Postoian from Detroit, one of my fierce competitors, put an ad in Drag News, and it said, it is no wonder they call you the Swamp Rat. You're in this sport for what you can get. You don't care who you hurt just so you make a buck out of it. Ouch. Shoot your mouth off about safety, and then you put a green kid in the fastest fuel dragster in the world and send him down the quarter mile. And it just went on and on. It was a whole half a page of that just beating me up, you know. Oh, my goodness. And I got mad about it, and my buddy was there um, doing a movie on drag racing, and he had an artist, and he says, no, let's draw Swamp Rat. That's a good name. So we named the car Swamp Rat 1, and we drew the mouse, which we still use today as our logo, and we actually have it in a little animal, a little stuffed toy that is our mascot. Wow. <laughs> what a wonderful story. I loved how you turned that negativity into something positive. Don, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share an aha moment that you had in your career. I know you probably had many of them. But is there one in particular that stands out that you realize, you know what, this idea, this concept I have is a really good one. It's going to make it. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. Well, I built Swamp Rat 1 at home in my home garage. And I took it over to the place where I worked on Saturday afternoon. We worked five and a half days a week, you know, all, you know, Monday through Friday and then half a day on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And this car had been built at night. And so on Saturday afternoon, I took it over to the shop to show it to my boss. I was so proud of it. You know, this is my first Chrysler-powered dragster. This has got a Hemi in it. Mm -hmm. This is the car that's going to set the world record later. I had great hopes for this car. So I towed it over. It's flat-toed. And I towed it over to his shop, and he said, get that piece of crap off of my grounds. I don't want anybody to see a race car here. I don't want any of my customers to know that we have anybody that works on race cars. Get that thing off here. And I, I said, okay, okay. So I said, oh, by the way, I said, you know, you promised my brother that he could, I could hire him. I was the shop foreman. Mm-hmm. As you promised my brother I could hire him. He's getting out of the Marines and be home next week. And he looked at me and he says, no, he said, I've already got one garlic's here and that's enough. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I said, uh-huh, uh-huh. you don't have any garlic's here. Yeah. I quit. Oh, wow. And I towed my race car over to Nebraska Avenue, which was about a mile away, and rented an old bombed-out gas station and opened my own shop. That was that was the fall of 1956, and I've never worked for anybody since. I've always owned my own business. Ah, oh, what a fantastic aha moment. I love that. 
Now, I'm sure you've had many proud moments in your career. It is so long and so illustrious. But is there one, if you could narrow it down to one, is there one proudest moment you could share with us? Yeah, the museum was opened in 1976 in Sefner on our grounds in Sefner, Florida. And it was just to kind of get supplement the money to help pay the property taxes. Mm -hmm. And for six years, we never had any visitors. We had lots of free people, friends, businesses, sponsors came by and we toured them through the 12,000 square foot building and nobody paid. Mm -hmm. And my wife said to me one morning, what are we going to do with this white elephant when we uh, can't afford to support it anymore with a race car? You know, when I get older. Right. I said, well, I always thought we'd move it to the interstate. Well, that caused a big bunch of controversy, but we in fact did move it up here. In March of 1983, we were actually in the building, but we were not open. We'd run out of money and we were building the exhibits the building was open and there was lights on inside, but there was no signs, no roads, nothing. Just the, the metal building sitting on this piece of property with vehicles sitting around. Mm-hmm. And a car drove in and it was a man and his wife and three children. And they said, is this the drag racing museum? I said, yes, it is, but we're not open yet. But he could look up in there where we were working. He could see there was cars through the door. Right. And it says, would you mind if we went in and looked around? And I said, no, but it'd be five dollars each. And they, they just shelled out twenty-five bucks. <laughs> One year later, March of eighty-four, we opened the building and we cut the ribbon. The preacher was here, the mayor was here, everybody was here, Linda Vaughn was here. But between that March of eighty-three and that March of eighty-four, I sold eleven thousand tickets oh. and open. Oh, my my goodness. Fantastic. I knew we'd hit the jackpot. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so, I've got goosebumps. That's fantastic. I love that success story. That's great. Let's have a little bit of fun here, Don. You've had so many cars in your career, but can you tell me which one stands out as your first really special car? And we, of course, can include race cars in this because that's what you do. But is there one car that just stands out in your mind as the first really special one? And share a memory that you had with that vehicle. Well, that has to be Swamp Rat 1. It's the first car you see when you walk in the building. It's been restored back to the way it looked in 1958 when it went 180 miles an hour. And after we did that restoration, I took it to Bristol, Tennessee and drove it down the track 182 miles an hour. The track was a little better than it was back in 1958. Uh But it did prove one thing that the car actually did go that fast on carburetors unblown. Yeah, It is a really special car in that it went through 12 different configurations over the long, it was the longest car that I ever raced without actually building a brand new chassis. It had uh, three drivers, Connie Swingle, Art Malone, and myself, and it was one of the first cars to be timed at over 200 miles an hour, but not recognized by the NHRA because there was all different type of timers in those days, and some of them were not that accurate. Uh Uh-huh. And the car was never sold. It was in, never left my possession. And it is um, very, very special. And it is a car that I drove down the track in 1957 on November the 10th at 176.4, which was a shot heard around the world because the, the engineers at the MIT had said 169 would never be exceeded on rubber tires on pavement. 
<laughs> so we went 176 miles an hour. Immediately, everybody thought it was just a phony time made up here in Florida. And I took the car to over 50 different match races in 1958 and set track records everywhere I went, many of them over 170 miles an hour, which the one at Bakersfield, California, stood for five full years before anybody exceeded 172 miles an hour on carburetors. Yeah. So it's a very special car. Yeah. Oh, man. And before I ask you this next question, what is the fastest you've ever gone in a dragster? 323.04 miles an hour. That was done in Swamp Rat 34, and that was done at the 2003 Gator Nationals, and it went 4.72 seconds. These are quarter-mile times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Unbelievable. How about seller's remorse? We've all had a vehicle we've let go that we wish we could have back. Is there one you can think of that you wish you had in your garage or your museum? Well, that's a double-edged sword. The uh -huh. Swamp Rat 30, which I gave to the United States government, which they put in the Smithsonian, I wish I had that back. But then on the other side, I don't want it back because it's part of the national treasures. Of course. It's the only dragster in the Smithsonian. Wow. And it is a national treasure, and they're going to build a great big motorsports museum. It's not on display anymore. It was on display for 12 years. But, you know, I often think, gosh, why did I give that away? It would be so wonderful to have that because that was the epitome. It was a, a very streamlined dragster, had lots of new innovations on it. In fact, it had a canopy in 1986, which they're just now getting around to putting on cars. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, in a way, though, you say double-edged sword, and I think you're right. So many more people have been able to experience that that have gone to the Smithsonian and been able to see that car. So it was a really awesome gift for you to give to the country and to the people of this country. It's fantastic. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on today that really has you excited and fired up? There's two projects. Number one, I'm building a 27 Model T Roadster, a steel body that I've had for 30 years. It's on 32 Ford frame rails, where the frame is completely built here. It's powered by 1948 Ford with the Arden aluminum head conversion. It will make about 300 horse, driving into a 39 Ford transmission with Lincoln gears and into a Franklin quick change rear end, one of the first three that Jimmy Franklin built back in the early 50s. All this stuff has been here. The Ardens have been here over 40 years. The Franklin Rear I've had since 1954. And all these parts have been saved, and they're finally coming together. And we're right now just putting the paint on the Roadster body. It will be black naturally. You know, Henry said, paint them any color you like, as long as it's black. <laughs> and this will be traditional. It's got all the late model, you know, 48 Ford front end under it, stuff like that, all chromed. It, it's a pretty car. That's a street project. Yeah. The other project that's going on is we are recreating Swamp Rat 1 the way it looked exactly the day it went, 176 miles an hour. Like I told you, it went through 12 different configurations, but we're going to build that on the 31 Chevy frame rails. It's almost complete. We have to build the body yet. And it will be a running example of exactly the way the car looked that day on November the 10th, 1957. Oh, fantastic projects. Man, how exciting. That is so cool. Now, Don, here's a very introspective question for you. If Don Garlitz was a car, what kind of car would Don Garlitz be? Boy, that's easy. That'd be <laughs> that Dodge 
Challenger Hellcat. Oh, I just drove one uh, in the half mile drags two weeks ago. We had here at one of the private airports. They had half mile drive. I drove it 152 miles an hour in the half mile. Oh gosh, awesome! Now you surprised me with that answer, but I think that's perfect. That's perfect. Don Garlic is a Hellcat for sure. That's the truth. It's that's the truth. <laughs> Your mom would probably say that too. Now, if she could see you today after that, seeing that little two-year-old pull that wagon full of bricks, wonderful. So, Don, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a little something for the Cars Yeah listeners. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun, with over sixty color photographs of vintage cars, plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to carsyad.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free filler-up book today at Cars Yeah. All right, Don, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions. And I'd love for you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? I'm ready. What's the best automotive advice you ever received and who was it from? Well, I paid a lot of attention to the round track guys, the older men, you know, they were 35 to 40 and I was 20-ish. And this guy told me, he said, Don, he said, if I were you, I'd put a full floater rear under Swamp Rat 1. You're going over 140 miles an hour and those four tapered axles are known to break. And if they do, the wheel comes off and you could likely be killed. And he showed me what to do. We went out to the junkyard and got an old Dodge rear end out of a army surplus vehicle and built this full floater rear. And that's what I had in my car. The first one in drag racing. And some of my friends were in fact killed when the axles broke and the wheels came off and the cars crashed because the roll cage configuration back in the fifties wasn't all that cool. Right. Wow. Great advice. Wonderful. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over all these years? Yep, and that's, I do not procrastinate. If it can still be done today, it will be done today no matter what time it is because I will never put off for tomorrow what can still be done today. Ah. My father taught me that early in life. Great advice. Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you're really fond of? I know with the web today, there's so many resources, but is there one in general? Maybe it's a website, a supplier, or even a blog that you get that you're really fond of. I really like Speedway Motors for getting my new parts, especially the old restoration stuff that I need for the old Fords. And then if I need an actual old Ford part, a real Jenny Ford, because we do lots of restoration here on the old Fords, Mm -hmm. I like that. Don Baxter Ford in Kansas, they, they really are good people. And those are uh, between Speedway Motors and the Baxter Ford, I get along just fine. Great, great resources. And would you share a book that you've read in the past that you think our listeners should crack open and get their eyes on? Yeah, Norman Vincent Peale, Positive Thinking. Ah, yeah, great book. I'll remind our listeners you can find all these great resources Don had shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Don Garlitz. Don, do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Well, you know, I told you I was an accountant, and so I have, uh, my hobby has always been economics. I mean, I study world economics. I know how the system works. I know how the banking system works. 
and that is my hobby. I I could probably sit right on the board at the Federal Reserve. They wouldn't like some of my decisions, but <laughs> because they wouldn't be political, you know. Yep. They, what would be best for the country? Yeah, exactly. Well, I wish you would sit on that board. I think maybe we wouldn't have gotten into all the trouble we got into the last five years if you'd been around. That's great. So, Don, this last question can be a real doozy. We're up to the checkered flag here, and I'm going to ask you if you could only have, and I know this is tough, one collector car or collector race car in your garage or your museum there, just one, what would that one vehicle be and why? Well, that would be my 1942 Mercury convertible, which I got from this old man that was dying. He didn't want to sell it. There's one of eight left on the planet. Mine is 98 points. It has all the accessories that were available in 1942, including a brand new old stock radio that drives just exactly the way it drove when they rolled it out of the showroom floor in 1942. And we did the entire thing here in the shop from beginning to end. Every piece was put back correctly. If you open the doors up, inside would look just as good as the outside, the way it would have looked when it was brand new. I would not take a quarter of a million dollars for the car. And if I had to go out there and choose one and I couldn't have any others, that is the one I would take and keep. And I would never be able to get another one. That would be my car. Fantastic. I love it. Don, you have taken me on a great ride today. And I knew you would. I've so enjoyed talking with you and your stories. I think I could talk for days with you. I want to thank you for sharing your amazing journey with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. If there's one parting piece of guidance you could offer our listeners before you drive off down that quarter mile track, what would it be? It would definitely be follow your dream. Don't pay any attention to what anybody says they want you to do. You definitely got to get a lot of schooling in this day and age. And even like I took accounting and I thought it would, uh, I was just wasting my time. But boy, when I opened my own businesses, did it ever come in handy? We've never written a bad check. We've never bankrupted a business. And it's all because of my accounting schooling that I got in my early years. And uh, so get your schooling, follow (laughs) your dream, work hard. And as my father said, There'll be plenty of time for sleeping when you're dead. (laughs) Oh, wonderful advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to find out more about what you're doing today and to find out about your museum? Just go to garlitz.com and then also the Don Garlitz Museum on Facebook. We have a wonderful lady that takes pictures, Lisa Krieger. She follows everything we do and she posts it on Facebook and on Flickr. You can. We do all our current stuff, and she takes pictures and keeps you very current. And, of course, the Garless.com website, you can go there and get all the information on the cars and the directions to how to get here. We're open here seven days a week, only closed on Thanksgiving and Christmas. But allow a lot of time. It's big. When you come here, you're going to want to be here at least a half a day. Absolutely. Well, again, listeners, you can find links to everything Don has shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Don Garlitz. Don, thank you so much for spending time with me today. This has been so special. I really appreciate you sharing your experiences and your life with our listeners. It's been fantastic, buddy. Thank you, Mark. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the drag strip. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!